really and truly, that was an internal battle for me because I would wake up in the morning and go, I'm not going to drink today. I don't need to drink today. And then I would get home from work. And after an hour or two, I would pour a glass of wine and I would say, I'm just going to have one glass of wine. Well, that glass of wine always ended up being a bottle of wine. Welcome to Finding My Best Self, the podcast that celebrates the extraordinary in every woman. Each week, your host, Pam Rivette, will share practical how-to advice, empowering you with strategies and insights to navigate life's complexities. We'll welcome inspiring guests, women who have defied the odds, transformed obstacles into opportunities, and are redefining what success truly means. From navigating personal and professional challenges to celebrating triumphs in fitness, self-care, and beyond, we explore it all. Whether you're seeking motivation or a spark of inspiration, this is your sanctuary for empowerment, authentic conversations, and a whole lot of real talk. So lace up your sneakers, grab that cup of coffee, and let's embark on this journey together. Exploring the lives of women who are making it happen, sharing both the struggles and the victories. Welcome to Finding My Best Self, where every episode is a step towards becoming the hero of your own story. We said that we're going to attempt this again today. Because we had audio issues last time, but I think that that was due to purpose and it was God's guidance. So I know we said we're going to pray today over our podcast episode and that what we're going to share today is going to be what God intended it for it to be. Yep. Okay. Ready? So I'm going to let you lead. All right. Heavenly Father. We ask that you come into our hearts, minds, and spirits today, Lord. Please anoint this podcast episode. Please give us the words that you want us to speak today to bring encouragement and change to the people that listen to this podcast episode, Lord. We ask that you fill us with your spirit, Lord. We ask that you give us the knowledge and the wisdom to bring glory to your name. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Finding My Best Self podcast. I am your host, Pam Revet, and today with me, I have my very good friend, Jenna Guerrero. And Jenna is going to share some very personal things today that I asked her to share just a little bit about her life story, because I think that Jenna is someone who is a very great model of not being a victim of or allowing her past to define her in any way, shape, or form. So Jenna, tell us a little bit about yourself first. Who are you? What do you do? A little bit about your family and your life. Hey, everyone. I am Jenna Guerrero. I am a mom of five. I'm also a top producing real estate agent in the Bayou Board of Realtors. I am also a certified holistic life and health coach. I specialize in the habit change coaching method. I have successfully helped multiple people change their lives. It is very near and dear to my heart. But most of all, I'm really excited today just to talk about generational curses and how they can be broken. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your childhood, because I know personally, I've heard a lot of your stories and I know that you've shared some of them publicly as well. So just tell our listeners a little bit about what it was like growing up for you. Well, 
I did not have a traditional childhood by any means. My parents divorced whenever I was two years old. So I thought it was normal for mom and dads to live in separate households. Whenever I went to pre-K or kindergarten was when I realized that my parents were supposed to be living together, not separately. My mom and dad absolutely hated each other whenever I was growing up. So that made it hard as a child to be able to develop a relationship with both parents. For that reason, my dad and I did not have a relationship until much later in my life. And my mom was, let me just say, she was an extremely hard worker whenever I was very young. We were extremely poor. She worked three jobs, so she wasn't very present in our lives. But that all changed because she developed a drug habit. And I think that is the thing that probably, I guess, scarred me for life and maybe just made me who I am today. Seeing all of the struggles that she went through with drugs and rehab, and she even tried to commit suicide a few times. She also took my twin sister down that path with her. So today, I do not talk to my biological mother, and I also do not talk to my twin sister. I don't. I've, I've, I've worked through it. So I've been going to therapy to heal that part of me. But I think the biggest thing that I can say, which is why I mentioned breaking generational curses, I broke my generational curse. I could have been a victim of my childhood or a victim of my circumstances. And I chose not to go down that path and not to let that be my story. Yeah, Jenna, I think there's many people who can relate to that in some way, shape or form too you know, and just our past experiences in childhood, the things that we went through with, whether it's our parents or our siblings or other family members. And when we become adults, it's hard sometimes to get past those things because those sit with you and you live with those things until you get to a point in your life when you're ready to move past them and to grow past them. It's not that those things will ever go away, right? Mm -hmm. They're always there and they're part of who you are, but it's you choosing to take the steps to grow beyond. So after childhood, I have something to add. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I think for for me, the hardest thing for my childhood was, or even maybe not so much my childhood because it didn't happen until later in life, probably in my teenage years. You know, a lot of people say they mourn the loss of their mother because she's not here anymore. My mom is still here and we don't have a relationship, but the, the betrayal that I had to overcome with my mother I think was probably the hardest thing for me, right? Because your mom is supposed to be the one person in your life that loves you and that is always there for you and is supposed to be your best friend. And I think that's probably the probably the most difficult thing I've had to overcome in my life. Yeah. I see that in you and I feel that <laughs> coming from you. <laughs> And that's and that's very real. That's something really, really hard to see past and to yeah. live through, right? And to come to terms with and still continue to move forward in your life and 
be a good mom and be a good wife, even though that may not have been what you saw and what you grew up with. So after childhood, because, and I, I'm asking this question very specifically, A, because I do like your, I say like, I, I, I love your story and the way that you overcame even the things that happened after childhood. But I also do know that when people experience things in childhood, a lot of times we take that with us into our adult lives and into our relationships that we find. We seek out people and we may not know that that's what we're doing, but we seek out people and relationships that are similar to what we grew up with because that's what we knew and that's what we learned. So tell us a little bit about that. So during my teenage years, that's whenever I experienced the, the biggest betrayal from my biological mother. And I'll say that definitely reared its ugly head in my relationships because at that point I was just looking for someone, anyone to love me. And I ended up getting involved with the wrong crowd and I ended up dating someone who was physically abusive. He was also um, a drug addict, a crackhead to be specific. (laughs) He actually left me in the hospital with our newborn child whenever uh, I gave birth to go smoke meth in the woods for three days. And after I got out of that relationship, that ended really badly. I ended up having to get a restraining order. I ended up having to move. I'm surprised I didn't have to change my identity altogether. (laughs) But I met my now ex-husband after that, and I thought that he was my knight in shining armor. He was very fake from the beginning, and then turns out he was a narcissist and an alcoholic. He wasn't physically abusive, but he was very verbally abusive. And, (laughs) you know, I was just still... We, we ended up getting married. We had a baby together and I really wanted to make it work. When I say that I tried every possible thing to make it work, I asked for therapy and, you know, can we do this? Can we do that? I so desperately wanted the family that I never had whenever I was a child. The family, there, there's a picture in my head of a family and that's what I was seeking. And I thought if I could just be good enough then I could have this family. But that never came. I eventually filed for divorce from my ex-husband, which was a nightmare, of course. Ended up having to block him from everything, social media, phone. Had to almost get a restraining order for that one too. But This episode is brought to you by MBS Fitco. Excitement is in the air at MBS Fitco as we prepare for our upcoming launch. We're introducing a line of premium activewear designed to seamlessly fit into both your workout routines and daily life. Our versatile collection is perfect for your workouts and equally suited for your day-to-day tasks, ensuring you look and feel your best no matter the occasion. It's not just clothing. It's a commitment to self-care and embracing your best self. Be the first to experience the fusion of style, comfort, and functionality. Subscribe to our VIP list and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok for insider information and exclusive perks available only on our launch day. Dive into the show notes for all the links you need. 
MBS Fitco is more than just activewear. It's a lifestyle. Join our community and be part of our exciting journey from day one to celebrate fitness, self-care, and your hero within. Don't just wear it, live it. All right, now let's dive back into this episode. At what age were you in the first relationship from what age to what age? And then when did you get into the second one? So my first relationship, I was probably 17 years old and I was with him for eight years. No, I'm sorry. I was with him for five years. And then in my second relationship, probably like early 20s. Yeah. And I was with him for eight years because I divorced him whenever I was 28 turning 29. Yeah. So, so in those two groups, very close together, back to back, one after the other. Yeah. Just a couple of months apart, probably, because I was just like in that I need someone stage of my life, right? I was very dependent. Right. I needed someone mm-hmm. to validate me and make me feel loved. And so I was always seeking. I was always seeking that. And, you know, I guess this sounds horrible, but I was just so desperate for love and attention that I would attach myself to anyone who showed that to me. And that's how I ended up in the relationships that I ended up in. But through my divorce year, as I call it, (laughs) when I was, you know, doing the, doing the single girl thing, I was sowing my wild oats, whatever you want to call it. I was not myself. I really wasn't. I was acting so much out of my character. I was doing things that I would never normally do. I was so ashamed of myself. I felt like I was showing up as a stranger. Some of the things that I did, I didn't even recognize myself anymore. And I would just give myself so much grief over it. And you know, I know now that I went through that wild error, whatever you want to call it, just to kind of teach myself a lesson because towards the end of that divorce year, it was in, I think it was September or November. It was probably like right around that time. I ended up going to a listing appointment. And during that listing appointment, we were walking around the house and these people I had never met before. What year was this, Jenna, before you go forward? 2017. Okay. So 2017, end of 2017. Okay. Yep. End of 2017. We're walking around the house and the husband asked me, do you have a relationship with God? And I was like, of course, I'm a Catholic, (laughs) right? And he's like, but do you know if you're going to heaven when you die? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to heaven again, Catholic. And he's like, but do you have a relationship with God? And I was like, I don't understand what you're asking me. He's like, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. And he wants me to tell you that he loves you. And you need to take off the mask. And I immediately started crying in this stranger's dining room because he could see me. He could see me. He could see through me. And in his living room, I 
was saved. He and his wife, they laid their hands on me. They prayed over me. I gave my life to the Lord in that moment. We ordered a Bible for me. And then immediately the next weekend, I started going to church. This was the turning point in my life. If anyone asked me like what changed, this is what changed. God is what changed me. I started going to church. I started talking to people in the church and making, you know, having relationships with them. I went to nights of prayer. People prayed over me for the first time in my life. And I could feel the power of the Holy Spirit in the room with us. And so I decided that I was going to pray for myself. And I prayed for God to bring someone to truly love me into my life and not leave me and show me what the meaning of love really was. And a month later, I met my husband. Well, he wasn't my husband then, obviously, but uh, I met my husband. We went on a lunch date and it was a very amazing two hour lunch date. (laughs) We didn't want to leave at the end of the date. um, But at that time, we didn't exchange phone numbers. We still were chatting on the dating app and we had lunch the following Friday. And then we had lunch every single day the week after that. And then, (laughs) I mean, now we're together. We've been together for six years come in February. So that wasn't a very short time frame. I mean, this was September, November, I was saved. And then by February, I had met the man I was going to spend the rest of my life with. So if you are very specific in your prayer, God will answer those prayers for you in his timing. But I can tell you that the man that God brought me, (laughs) I wasn't ready for by any means. There have been, I have experienced so much growth since meeting him just because he makes me want to be a better person every single day. And we joke about it all the time. Like he worships the ground that I walk on, but I also worship the ground that he walks on. I mean, there's no way I could possibly do the things that I do in my daily life without him. Like there's just no way. He is my strength. He is my rock. He is my safe place. And I, fully believe with my entire heart that he loves me more than any person that is in my life. I have no doubt about that at all. It's so funny, Jenna, because when, when you talk about James still to this day, you get so giddy. And I remember (laughs) the, when you and I had lunch together, downtown Homa, and it was shortly after you had met James and you were just so, just like you are still today, years later, so giddy and excited. And you were like, I met someone and I'm like, yeah. And you just, the smile on your face was just everything. And the, you know, the tone of your voice and how, how he made you feel even then is still how you feel now. But I also know as your friend that there was a period of time when, although you knew that James loved you, and you knew that you loved him, there was there was a bit of, I don't know, like a little bit of tug of war for you just because you had built up those walls from 
the previous relationships that you were in, you know, the, the heartache and the experiences that you had with those, even though you knew how much James loved you and you knew how much you loved him, it was letting that wall down and that, that barrier that you had created. So what, what was that like and how, what did, what was the breaking point, I guess, when you finally just let go and, you know, leaned into the relationship and took down those walls? When I met him, I had severe abandonment issues. So in my mind, I was like, this is never going to last. I was just already, I had already convinced myself that he was going to leave me at some point in time. And that's something that I had to overcome. So I would think all of that past relationship trauma would come up for me a lot. And I would be like, oh my gosh, you know, what if he's just faking it? I would tell him all the time, you're good. You're too good to be true. There's no way you're this nice or you're this perfect or you're, you know, there's got to be something wrong with you. You have to be hiding something from me. And it took me, it took me probably at least two years to realize like, okay, he's the real deal. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to hurt you. He's not going to cheat on you because that's something that I struggled with. I think the turning point for me was whenever he just kept showing up basically and proving to me that he wasn't going to leave because I mean, just like anyone else, we went through some ish in our relationship, right? Neither one of us drink anymore. That's because I am not a good drinker. (laughs) Whenever I drink, I have all these insecurities that just rush into my mind and my brain starts telling me all kind of lies. And I mean, really and truly, that's the enemy. Whenever you drink, you're allowing him to come in and tell you a lie. And then at that point in time, your, your brain chemistry is already altered. So you believe it and then you get angry and then you create this problem that's not even there. And then you take it out on the person that you love the most. But he still loved me through that. He loved me through all of my insecurities and all of my pain. And every single time that I would have a bad day and I literally did not want to get out of bed, I would just look at him and he would just say, what can I do to make you feel better? And I would look at him and I would just be like, I don't know. I don't know how to feel better right now. All I know is I need you to love me. And he would just say, I love you. I'm here for you, whatever you need. And to this, like, to this day, we probably tell each other that we love each other a hundred times every single day. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We are going to live our life and our honeymoon stage. That's what's, that's what we choose to do. We want to be happy for the rest of our lives. We don't want to be like the couple who they're together out of convenience or obligation, or it's a job. You don't have to be, marriage is not a job. It's something you choose to do. And sometimes it's hard, but so is being single. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's something that I think not only myself, but other people who know you and James, can see very, very clearly with y'all. And it was very evident very early on, even in the stages that when you so much didn't see it, or maybe you just weren't very, I don't want to say that you didn't see it because I think you saw it. You weren't accepting of it and you hadn't, again, that wall was still up. How 
what's the word I'm looking for? James very publicly loved you, but not in a form of, and I know you know what I mean, when people are overly affectionate in front of other people because they're, I don't want to say that they're being fake, but where they're overly affectionate to someone in front of others, but then it's different behind closed doors, right? Right. That was not the case with y'all. James, and it was very, very evident and clear that what he showed to you in front of other people was not fake at all. The things that he said or did, because when you were going through that phase of, you know, drinking in, in the that part, that that stage in your life when you were still trying to overcome, when you would have your moments and, you know, James was just like, it's okay. Every time it was just, you know, he, there was no frustration there. There was nothing. And then, you know, we would chat afterwards and, you know, you would tell me like, I'm so upset with myself, you know, that wasn't okay. And, you know, I'd ask things about James specifically, like how, you know, what did he have to say? And you were like, he was so great. And he was just like, it's okay, Jenna. And I love you. And I'm like, Jenna, like he does. And, you know, and so it's, it's, I know it took you time to see past that and to let those walls down and to truly let love in when you had been hurt by everyone that was supposed to have loved you, your mom and the person in your first relationship and the person in your second relationship, you were hurt so many times and you were showed love in the wrong, all the wrong ways that when love truly showed up in your life, it was very hard for you to to accept it. And I remember saying like, I didn't even know love could be this good. Like I didn't know life could be this good. I didn't know this was a possibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then you did. And I know things have changed quite a bit for y'all in your relationship and in your life. And since then, you've also taken the time to work on yourself and you've made a lot of changes because you said that you were saved and then you met James. But even during that time, you still had a lot of personal growth and internal growth that you needed to do. So in the midst of you working on your relationship and you also started to work on yourself. So at what point, when did that come about and what did that look like for you? Being a good mom is something that I've always wanted. I think for me, it was a lot of looking looking in and seeing where my faults were and also looking at my childhood and seeing the things that I didn't want to do to my children. So every single day, I want to be a better person, but I also want to be a better mom. My mom wasn't strict at all. Whenever we were young, even whenever I was a teenager, really, she kind of just let us do whatever we wanted to do. You know, if we wanted to smoke cigarettes, she would buy them for us. If we wanted to have sex, we were allowed to have sex. She's the one who gave me my first pain pill, if I'm being honest, like she actually gave me and my sister drugs, which is probably why my sister to this day is a drug addict. So I just look at, I just look back at those things. And also what kind of mom do I want to be? What kind of person do I want to be? What do I want my future to look like? And then I figured out 
what habits I needed to implement into my life to become that person, but also from from influences around me. You know, whenever I have conversations with other people and they're telling me about a hard thing that they're dealing with with their child or a hard thing that they're dealing with inside of their relationship, no matter if it be with a friend or a spouse or a mom or whoever it is, if there's something in that conversation that kind of like tugs at my heart, then I know that I have a personal conviction about it. And then I always look, I ask myself questions like, why does that make me feel that way? And what do I need to do in order to overcome that feeling? And what does that mean for me as a person? Is this something that I'm doing that I don't like that I need to work on? I mean, I grew up with a grandma who was so, so strict, right? My mom wasn't, but my grandma was super strict. And I feel like I kind of was that person to my children for a while. I was very strict and mean and very like, I had a short fuse. And that all comes from all the people in my life that have that have been in my life, right? My ex-husband, he had a very short fuse and that kind of conveyed on to me. My grandma was extremely strict, again, conveyed on to me. I didn't want any of those things for my children. And I think that the the reason that I've changed so much and I've grown so much and I've I've done all of the work and all of the things, it really comes down to I want my kids to have the life, that perfect little picture in my head. That's what I want to give my kids. And it's my job to do the work to give them that. Yeah. Yeah. It's that learned behavior. It's trying to break that learned behavior from childhood and not have that and bring that forward into your adult life and then pour it back onto your children, just like it was poured into you. Right. I don't want my kids to have to go to therapy because of me. Right. Yeah. What sparked that, Jenna? Like what what was the trigger? At what point did you decide? Because Jenna, you you really did do I feel like it was and and I know that it, it took time, but there was just a, a point when you just like the the light, I mean the switch was just, you know, it flipped for you when you, you know, were still in that battle and trying to accept James and the love that he was giving to you. And at the same time, you know, with the drinking and all of that, even though you were still excelling in your career and you were doing better and better year over year, there was just a point when something just clicked. Like, what do you think that was that, was it something that happened? Was it something that someone said to you? Was it just in your relationship with James when when you finally realized and, and that wall came down? Is that when it just clicked for you that you wanted to to step up and make changes in your own being? When what was it? I think it was a combination of a lot of those things. It was me realizing that James was not gonna abandon me, right? That he really did love me. And by seeing that and knowing that that made me want to be the wife that he deserved to have because that man, that man is a God. Okay. (laughs) He's just so good. He's an angel. I say that all the time, but also because my bonus children deserve a good mom. Right. So the whole drinking thing, that's something that I struggled with for a very long time. I didn't want to drink all the time 
but I just blamed it on my stress level at work or, you know, being stressed out with the kids, whatever it was. But really and truly, that was an internal battle for me because I would wake up in the morning and go, I'm not going to drink today. I don't need to drink today. And then I would get home from work. And after an hour or two, I would pour a glass of wine and I would say, I'm just going to have one glass of wine. Well, that glass of wine always ended up being a bottle of wine. And then I would beat myself up and go, you are no better than your mother. You are an alcoholic. You have a substance abuse problem. What is wrong with you? Why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this? And one morning I just woke up and I said, enough is enough. I'm stopping this right now. And then I never, I didn't, I just, I haven't drank since that day. The night before that day, I will say that I had gotten into an argument with James and I don't remember any part of that argument because I was so drunk. And when I woke up the next morning, I was like, oh God, what have I done? And then that was it. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this to myself anymore. I can't do this to the man I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. And I can't do this to my children. They deserve better. And from that day, I quit drinking. I started going to therapy. I started asking myself all of the questions of how can I grow? What can I do? What convictions are in my heart? What do I need to overcome? And I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. There's only one person who is perfect, and that's Jesus Christ. We can never be like him, but we can work to be more like him every day. And that's, I mean, you know that, that that's my mission in life. Yeah. Jenna, I think that, and this is something that I preach all the time, and you once again are just a living testament to it is that we all have those moments in life or those times, periods or chapters in our lives when things are just really bad. You know, things are just really bad. But there's always something else that comes from from it. There's always a blessing beyond the journey, right? There's a blessing that is going to come from the journey There is nothing good in life that comes easily. And there's always going to be something difficult that gets you to the better side of things. There's always that pivotal moment. We all have every person that I've ever spoken to that has completely changed their life. And there may be several pivotal moments, right? Several things at different points in their lives when they just, you know, that something flipped and and made a change. And I know for myself that I had that moment as well. You know, for me, it was whenever I was pregnant for my last child that I just had. And I don't, like you said, I cannot tell you specifically what it was or what day, but there was just a day when I just woke up and I was like, never again. Like today is the day I have said too many times that I'm not going to do this, or I'm not going to be this way, or I'm not going to say these things, or I'm not, you know, I said, I've said all of these things over and over and over again, but today I am making the decision that I am making the change. And not that we don't have moments of, you know, setback or we screw up, but then we pick back up and keep moving forward. You know, it's not one of those things where it's, you know, 
two steps forward, three steps back. It's just, it's just a bump in the road, you know, like, because we're all human. We have those moments of, I, I, I took a, for a, for a split second became that person that I've grown past. Right. And, but you recognize it and everything. It's a choice. It's a mindset and it's a choice. And that is the one thing that I have, that I repeat over and over and over again, you choose to change. You choose to be happy because no one can make you happy, right? As much as James loved you and poured love into you, the reason why you couldn't see it is because you weren't happy with Jenna, right? Absolutely. That is where I think outside of your message of being able to overcome childhood trauma and relationship trauma going forward, even once you were past and out of those, you know, your, your childhood home and those relationships, being able to take the time to find you and to make you happy and to be happy and internally, you will never be able to move forward in life with true happiness. If you're always seeking happiness and love from other people. Right. Cause that's what I was doing. Yeah. That's what you were doing for a very long time. It was seeking, was seeking, right? And even when Jenna, you did get it the right way from James, you still didn't appreciate it. You still didn't see it or appreciate it. And it wasn't because you weren't getting it from the right person in the right way. It was because you hadn't, you hadn't taken the time to seek happiness from the one and only person you needed to seek it from. It, it was within and yourself. And that's what I think was my biggest turning point in my life as well. And what I try to instill in people and teach people is that no one can make you happy in life. So with all of that being said, what is the one piece of advice that you would give listeners who may be at a place where they feel like they can't move forward or past from their childhood trauma or they're struggling to move forward or past up an abusive or bad relationship that they were in and they're trying to better themselves and just move forward in life? What piece of advice would you give to them? I think I'm going to kind of mirror what you just said because it's your choice. You choose to be happy. You choose to change your life. You choose to set a goal. You choose to achieve that goal until you recognize that and do it. Don't just say you're going to do it. Actually do it. Get up, do the work, do the hard thing. You know, James and I were having a conversation the other day about hard things because I feel like I've just been doing so many hard things lately. And one of the biggest questions that everyone's asked me are like, are you nervous? And I'm like, not anymore because fear is a liar. And if you just do it, then you'll see that there was nothing to be scared of in the first place because failure is not acting on your goals, not taking your steps. Yes. Failure doesn't mean you tried to do something and it didn't work out. 
that means you figured out how not to do it. So try again until you get the until you get to the goal that you want to achieve, even if it's something small. I mean, start small and then feeling that sense of achievement is what's going to give you the momentum to keep going and keep going and growing and changing. And then one day you're going to wake up and you're going to be unrecognizable in a good way. And you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to be so damn proud of yourself. And like, that's the greatest feeling ever. Yeah. You know what we say, because you just said it, we say it to each other all the time when we, you know, we get in those moments and it's just that saying, you can do hard things. I can do hard things and you can do hard things. We say it all the time. Yeah. And it's something that I, that I look, I look for, I seek the difficult path and it took me a long time to be able to do that, to be able to look forward to and be excited for and not, like you said, not be scared, not be nervous. Do we all have, you know, those, it's that feeling of, you know, I, I did a, a video on that one day when I said, you know, that feeling that you get in your stomach when you get super nervous, when you think about something and it's just, it's like that, it almost makes you sick thinking about it because it scares you so much. I'm like, do it. Like that's the thing that you need to do. That's not your stomach (laughs) telling you don't do it. That's not the thing that's telling you don't do it. That's the thing that's saying, if this scares you so much that you have like this, you know, feeling in the pit of your stomach, like, oh my God, I'm going to puke. You need to do it. Yeah. You know, and so I heard someone say fear is excitement on pause. And I think that is the perfect example, because if you think about it, whenever you're scared, your adrenaline starts pumping. Right. And then if you actually go through it and do that thing that scares the crap out of you, you get the best adrenaline rush ever. And I'm a thrill seeker. So I love that adrenaline rush. So fear is excitement on pause. If you decide not to do it, you're never going to get that rush. You're never going to get that feeling of excitement. And if you do it, then you're just going to be on cloud nine, living, living the high life for the rest of the day, because you're so proud of yourself that you did that thing. Yeah. I would much rather live knowing that I tried and failed than living wondering what if I had. Mm-hmm. No one wants to live a life of regret. No. Right? What if? Yeah, that what if is not the, I've lived that life before. And not to mention the growth that comes from failure. The amount of failures that I have had in my life and how much I learned and grew from every single one of those experiences. I am so grateful for all of the failures, all of the things that went wrong or you know, the bad things that happened, all of it, all of it, it, it all were, they were all very small pivotal moments in my life, whether they were small or big pivotal moments, they were all moments in my life where I changed or something in my life changed for the better because of those failures or because of the bad things. Right. I'll just look at those as lessons. Now, if I'm going through something hard or if I'm going through something bad, I'm like, 
okay, what is God trying to teach me right now? And who is this going to help in my future? Because all of the bad things that I've been through have enabled me to help other women overcome their hard situations or their tough things, or even just giving a word of advice or a kind word of love. I know where you are right now, but I can promise you it's not going to last forever. Yeah. Well, for everyone to know, because I have to share this, is that this is the second time that Jenna and I record because we recorded our interview last week and the audio was all messed up. And so I called Jenna and I said, you know, we can either re-record or we can move forward with just an audio podcast and scrap the video because it was the video portion that was really messed up. And I said, or we can do it again. And Jenna said, no, let's do it again. I said, Jenna, you know, I really feel that we should because we both feel very strongly about when things don't go right, that there's a reason. And I think that the reason why that happened was because the previous recording that we did was not about any of this stuff. It was something totally different that we talked about. And I told her, I said, I feel that this is God telling us that the message that he wanted us to give was not given in that previous interview. And so we took some time over the weekend and we thought about it. And I was like, I think this is, this is the conversation that we need to had, have. And I, I feel that we, we did that today. I hope that we have inspired many people today. I think Jenna has inspired many people with her story. Women, if you are in a bad relationship or if you have past trauma from your childhood, being able to see someone who has grown and overcome and is now living a life of fulfillment and love and happiness in her relationship and in her career and as a mom, it can be done. And that's what I want you to take away from today is that you can do hard things and you just have to make that decision and choose to pick up and move forward. So Jenna, before we end this episode, tell me what does finding my best self, the woman beyond the cape mean to you? Um, Finding my best self, the woman beyond the cape means to me the journey that you get to go on to finding your best self and being able to choose who your best self is and then becoming that person. I love that. Thank you so much for joining me again to re-record. And I hope you all have found something in this message today that speaks to you for you to be able to move forward in your life and choose to be your best self. We'll catch you next next time. As we wrap up another episode of Finding My Best Self, I want to extend a heartfelt thank you for joining us today. You being here makes the journey much more meaningful. Remember, every step you take, no matter how small, is a leap towards discovering and nurturing your best self. If you found value in today's episode, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast. Your subscription helps us reach and inspire more amazing women like you. And if you could take a moment to leave us a review, it would mean the world to us. Your feedback not only supports our growth, but also helps other women find this empowering space. 
Don't forget to share this episode with a friend, family member, or fellow hero in your life. Every share spreads a little more empowerment and inspiration. And for an extra dose of motivation and community support, don't forget to sign up for the VIP list for MBS Fitco. By joining, you get exclusive access to our premium, versatile activewear and fitness essentials, carefully designed to inspire and accompany you on your self-care and fitness journey. Follow us on our social channels, too, for daily inspiration and a peek into our latest collections. You'll find all the details and links in the show notes. Joining our VIP list is more than just a subscription. It's your entry into a world where fitness and self-care are celebrated and every step towards wellness is cheered on. So until next time, keep shining, keep striving, and keep celebrating the extraordinary woman you are. Thank you again for tuning in to the Finding My Best Self podcast, where every story is a step towards finding your hero within. We'll catch you next time.